0: Hello and welcome to the PopBreak.com's official Oscars podcast, hosted by Marissa Carpico and Matt Taylor. Hey everyone, this is Marissa Carpico, the film editor at the PopBreak.com. I am here with our TV editor, Matt Taylor. Say hello, Matt.
1: Hi everyone.
0: Uh, and we are back for another episode of the way too early Oscar pod, although it's basically Oscar season now. So we're just the right on time uh, Oscar pod um, Title's still the same. though. Uh, and we have a couple things to talk about. There's a couple new releases that have come out. Um, we're calling the two J's and also down to Nabby. And uh, Matt is going to go over uh, everything he's seen at the New York Film Festival so far. He's got a couple of screenings left, but we're going to do he's seen most of them now and a lot of them are a pretty big deal. So we're going to do some of them now. Um, let's start with uh, let's start with Judy. Um, Judy, starring Renee Zellweger, is Judy Garland. Um, I reviewed it for the site, so everybody can read that. But Matt, why don't you talk about your feelings on it?
1: Yeah, um, this is one that I'm sure anyone listening to the podcast knows we were super excited for. Um, it was like we, we we talked about it all the time and. Um, I, going into it, like, all jokes aside from, like, our podcast bits, like, I couldn't help but be, like, a little bit worried because there's always that sense of apprehension with biopics, I think, Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't know what to expect, especially since the director, I don't think, Rupert Gold, I don't think I, like, particularly liked any of his films um, before this, so I was like, what are we, what am I walking into here? But, like, I was simultaneously, like, really impressed and also kind of, like, lukewarm on it because... Um, as a whole, I think the film has some problems, like we can talk about it in more detail, but like it has a flashback structure that I don't think totally works and um like any other character that's not Judy Garland is like incredibly underdeveloped, but I was really impressed because Renée Zellweger is like out of this world good in this movie. Like it's this it's an incredibly tough and brutal performance. And like for those who don't know, um it's following a concert tour residency she did in London um, near the end of her life. Um, yes. In the six of,
0: months before she died, basically.
1: Yeah. Like in the midst of like um, a career low in America, even though she was still very popular in the UK. And um, it was, um, it follows her during this residency and the, performance scenes i mean renee is good in every scene but the performance scene where she like where she's singing and also like sometimes under the influence are like so fascinating and incredible Mm -hmm. to watch and i mean we're both huge fans of renee but like i genuinely did not know she had this in her like what i always liked about her was how like she had great screen presence and she has like this incredibly charming um like leading lady affect to her and this is like Raging bull st- um, shit basically. Like, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's so lived in and brutal and um, fascinating to watch. And I, like, I was, I'm just so in awe of it, basically. And I, like, I'm happy that this is, like, the performance that has kind of gotten a lot of steam and is, like, the de facto frontrunner right now for Best Actress. Because it's, like, the sort of thing, like, I can fully cheer for. Beyond being a stand, like just like it's like it's genuinely one of the best performances of the year.
0: <laughs> yeah, that raging bull uh, comparison is great because it's it's very much that as transformative in the same way that De Niro is in that film. Because um, like you know at first, and I say this in the review, like at first blush, like um Renee and Judy do not seem like actresses who exist on the same planet. Let alone like could right. be played one who could play the other. Um, but she is really, uh, the choices she makes are really shocking. Like I, I was, I was like, this is like a channeling, like there were times where I was like, God damn, she must've done so much work because there's prosthetics going on and some, and some makeup stuff and that, and that helps a lot. The dark, the dark contact lenses and the, and the hair is very effective, but it's also just the, um, as, as someone who's watched a shitload of Garland films, uh, and picked up on these you know there's it's easy to pick up on her ticks realistically, especially later in her mm-hmm. career um and Renee gets so many of them right like I, I mean the teeth are a little much, but the but but the rest of it is like the way she grabs her hair uh, all the time in mm-hmm. its moments of excitement is like such a Judy move that I was like, oh brilliant, brilliant every time it happened <laughs> I was like, yes, do it um, but yeah, I don't know she's just uh fantastic in the film and i and i see your point about i I think the problem for me isn't so much the um the flashbacks because like those feel like they're doing something for me uh in terms of like showing the sort of personality disorder that is created by the studio system um you know the not eating and the and the addiction and the not sleeping and all this stuff that like event then bears you know subtle um like bears, bears out subtly in her um, In her like last When we see her in the present as Renee mm. um, The problem for me with that was that They didn't draw stronger Parallels to what they show In that flashback stuff To what's happening with other Characters because like There's so much there that they're implying About like the way her all of her Relationships with men are Just reduxes of uh, Her and Louis B. Mayer um, mm-hmm. In whatever way that was. I mean, there's the sort of, Im- I don't know. I mean, you know, there's no necess- like direct implication that there was a sort of Me Too situation of like actual abuse, like sexual assault or something. But when he puts his hand on her chest when she's like 16, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, yeah. even if it wasn't a direct thing, the shit she must have gone through. And no wonder she can't pick a husband to save her life. Um, and like, there's the stuff with, the older woman who is minding her in the past and the, um, the Jesse Buckley character who is minding her in the present. And like the way the gently adversarial re- relationship they have right off the bat is because she's been so trained to distrust women, which are the people who would help. Realistically, you know, that's how these structures stayed in, you know, such a handmaid's thing of like.
1: Mm.
0: <laughs> like, you know, the other women helping keep each other down in this weird way because this is the way they've been taught to sort of, you know, get forward in this in this system. And, like, it's all in the way that they look each other, but never, like, it made explicit. And I kind of wish it had been. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I liked a lot of it. I think it was – the way I think uh, to watch it and the thought I kept having throughout it was that it's not – It's not really the a traditional biopic, let's say. It's like a. It looks to me. It felt like a drag show, where like, (laughs) do you know what I mean? Like somebody does a theme, and they do only songs of that one actor or actor, whatever that night, and like it's like Chad Michaels does share, you know, does Mm -hmm. a share show, whatever, or like um, Coco Montrese does like a (laughs) a Janet Jackson thing, and just does a bunch of songs or something, and like that's what it felt like of this the way the songs are used to like express her emotions at all times and always to make us think about where Judy is at all times, like humanizing her through the hits that we know her from was so smart to me. Um, and I, I don't know. I just thought it was really thrilling to watch, but I, I do think it's like made for a very specific audience, which is probably not the, well, it's definitely not the normal or not the normal, but um the, I don't know, historically typical viewing audience, which is really for like, you know, straight men. Um, (laughs) It's just like, so not for them that I, I hope that it doesn't get ignored by the Academy, which is still, you know, trying to fight back from being just straight white men.
1: Well, I think it's interesting. Um, I saw this in a sold out screening at my local theater, but like My brother and I were the only people there Under the age of like 50 If I had to guess And like the AARP crowd Was like going nuts for this movie Like it was like It truly was like everyone Like male male and female were Thoroughly enjoying it There were a lot of positive reactions That were very loud And I was like we don't have to We don't have to audibly react to everything But like they certainly But you can
0: see how it happens Because it does feel like a stage show Like you're actually there
1: Watching a stage show the so performances are so incredible, like the her, like the um, various musical numbers. Um, I think for people who like enjoy that time period in film, like including people who are older in the academy, like there is that sort of fun appeal of like, oh, there's Liza Minnelli and oh, there's Mickey Rooney and everything, and it's like, um, like all these um, not cameos because they're not playing themselves, but like these, these recognizable figures showing up and everything. There's like a nice like historical element to it so i think that will go a long way with the academy and makes it something of a like it's doing so out the box office right now where i'm like oh like i think this has like more potential than i would have thought it did because yeah because like i think people like this story like i think and like this period of time and um i think we're finally getting to a point slowly but um like where we're reevaluating a lot of what it means to like be, have like be like a difficult celebrity quote unquote and like we're like starting to understand that um like re like recontextualize the stories around Judy Garland and everything like that and other celebrities in the same boat as her and um so I think that movie like this movie's coming out at just the right time so I don't know I'm very curious how like how long this theme can go for it I think actress is like it's only real chance at like the Oscars maybe um Makeup too, but those rules are always a little strange. Um, so, like, I'm very curious to see how it goes. I think there, like, it has a lot of potential at the at the final awards, and I, I really do think she might win this. Like, she's campaigning really smart. There's no one else really like a, as like a big threat to her. It's it's interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think it's 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 making shitloads of money. I mean, the Per theater average was like the best of uh, of the weekend it was open. So. Yeah. It, it was like six thousand sixty three hundred basically like that's ridiculous <laughs> that's like <laughs> per, per theater average number I mean that's 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 some fucking end game shit you know what I mean
1: like yeah it's really impressive and like they went wider than most movies do that are doing a platform release like I mean like I had it at New Jersey opening weekend yeah. at like three theaters so like yeah. it's like they I guess roadside knows what they're doing with this, like yeah,
0: the release the release um, schedule pl- and and like, you know, plan is brilliant. I mean, they they're clearly raking in the money from it. And this week's average is slightly lower, but still, the fact that it's still making as much money as it is is like incredible. I mean, my my screening was absolutely packed for sure, and it was like, you know, not even the first screening. So I don't know. i i I also hope that she gets it because so far I haven't seen anything that has is more impressive technically or or anything honestly I'm and like it has such a easy there's such an easy chance for it to go campy in a bad way but it stays perfectly like it walks that line of camp of like it's it's in in the way that a drag show does of like completely effective even though you know it's completely artificial
1: yeah, it's the sort of camp that I think only people who, like, are aware of Judy's reputation amongst, like, yeah. the gay community will get it. Like, my brother and I definitely, like, shot each other looks and, like, smiled at various <laughs> points of the movie. But, like, it's very easy for people, yeah. I think, who don't know about it to be
0: fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because I, like, described that to someone and they were, I, as camp to someone, they were like, well, I didn't think it was funny. I was like, that's not what like no. i was like what do you mean and he was like that's what camp is i was like no what what are you do you oh my god <laughs> like so much more than that yeah i was like no that's oh god I- and then i had to be like listen i, I know you did g- like you have to consider that this is not for you and why you're not thinking about that um <laughs> subtweet but and uh, no, the- i said Uh-oh. it to their face it's fine no it's totally fine um <laughs> but yeah i i th- i mean i think it's very good i hope more people see it um Especially young people, because there are people who don't know who Judy is, which is shocking. Um, the let's children. talk. About, yeah, literal children. Although I had a, a driver once recently who had no idea who she was, um, like in their thirties uh, or forties maybe. Um, let's talk about the other J, uh, Mister. I know. <laughs> From high, from the highest of highs to truly the lowest of lows. Um, I'm talking about Joker, which is out the weekend that we're recording this. Um, and this should be coming out a few days after that. So, you know, it's this week. I don't know. Whatever. B- big big hit, unfortunately, um, box office-wise. You know, the myth of Batman is strong. Not that he's technically in this. At least the Batman part of it. Um, Bruce is around. Um, I'm kind of thinking of this uh, episode as our as our post joker podcast so i kind of am inclined to spoil some stuff what are your thoughts on that matt
1: yeah i think it's a sort of thing like we kind of have to spoil it it's like yeah. it's too hard to get into the nitty-gritty of what we think about it and like our thoughts are online you can go on a letterbox um to see like it's like we have to get into the details because there's a lot to talk about this movie i think but like you can't not spoil it, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, I have I'm writing the review, and that'll that should be up before this this comes out, um, if I can finish it. Um, but, yeah, I, you'll see, I mean, yours is pretty detailed and and mine will be pretty detailed as well, yeah, it's hard to know where to start with this thing. I mean, also, here's the thing, comic books exist, and these stories exist. And <laughs> let me tell you some stuff that you think is going to happen, like, that we just didn't need to see on film again, let's say. Because we've seen it thousands of times now. It's it's a cliche of of origin stories, if you will. If I, like... Uh, oh, I can say it. it if I got to see, can Martha Wayne's Pearls fly through the air one more time in cinema, I am going to slit my wrist. And you know what? I love Batman. I love Batman. <laughs> but I just can't do this anymore. <laughs> I like... It's becoming a hazard to all of us. Like, aren't we all sick of this? I cannot do it. Um,
1: we have to hope they don't do this again with Robert Pattinson. It's they like... Will,
0: it, please, <laughs> you know they will. You know they will. Enough's um, enough. <laughs> yeah. They're going to cut to that kid. You know what my favorite... <laughs> I said this on Twitter, which is me being an idiot, but um, my favorite part of the, the Bruce standing in the aisle, you know, looking down at his dead parents for the thousandth time, my favorite part <laughs> of that is that they talk about super rats on the news at the beginning, and we never see a super rat until Bruce is standing over his dead parents. Two little super rats run by in the background, and I was like, cinema. Like, <laughs> it, it almost turned me around on it. I was it's like, great, the super rats have finally come in. You see one shortly before
1: that when, I forgot what's going on, Joker calls somebody on a payphone, and when he's getting into the payphone, you see one run around the corner, and I was like, whoa, those are big.
0: (laughs) (laughs) They're they're like dogs. Um, Damn it. But yeah, I loved that super rat moment, because you know, that was the only twist on that imagery that we've seen um but i don't know i, I i'll i'll do a quick synopsis i suppose um joker is arthur fleck which isn't technically his name in the comics if you believe that lore whatever um, but yeah whatever he's some stand-up comedian wannabe who is actually mostly spends his days and nights as a party clown or a rent-a-clown if you will i mean he does other things um i don't know if that's a business but it's it I appears... that. <laughs> well i tried to write it in the review and i was like wait what is he which is you know honestly the confusion is part part of the problem of this film um anyway he he has a condition um thanks to some neurological damage that we eventually find out about uh Ugh. uh that makes him laugh uncontrollably at inappropriate times like when he's nervous um and boy does it sound like a joker laugh um and then yeah he uh i don't know it's stupid, <laughs> it's so stupid. he slowly goes insane i guess because some i don't he I, where to begin i how about you try this i'm it's such a mess
1: some wall street bros who i guess not wall street technically but you know like no they
0: say finance bros later he they say wall street guys
1: okay the the, the wall street guys the wall street of gotham um they um who also love sondheim and i guess
0: um, love sondheim
1: (laughs) as as frat boys do um they they beat him up and it triggers like him to become um like I didn't even need to use trigger but there we go I I guess it did um it like leads to him I don't know like becoming like a a symbol of like like anger like like, in in the community and like
0: I, I I'm tired because I didn't sleep very well but I also could not define what he becomes a symbol of and why Gotham suddenly starts wearing clown masks because they're like is it is it class warfare? Is it okay,
1: yeah. So
0: I, I don't know. It, it's I mean it's definitely an eat the rich thing. Somebody there's signs that say kill the rich and, and resist, which is fascinating. Um but I don't I don't know what people see in him or or why any of the things that happen lead to him becoming a symbol at all. Like there's no connectivity at first. Hour and a half of the film, and it's two hours. So,
1: so this is actually like leads into what my main problem with this movie is. Um, just like this movie, whether like, I don't, I don't know the latest. I don't know if they're can, if they're admitting that it's supposed to be like a comment on political times or not. I don't know. Like, it seems so clearly meant to comment on like where we are now as a nation, like the very heated political climate. But it's so clearly made by someone, Todd Phillips, who like doesn't understand what's going on right now, and it's just like, man, people are angry, and then like that's like the depth of how much he understands about what's going on, like not even like basic cable news shit like it's like he truly just like wow, like it seems like everyone's mad these days, and like this is the movie that comes of that where it's just like this guy murders three men on the subway and they're and the, the whole world goes insane and it's like, yeah, eat the ranch. And I'm like, I, I'm like, wait, what is this? Like, who's on his side? Like, who like, it's so confused. But that's what happens when you let someone with like a middle schooler's understanding of politics make a movie that's supposed to be informed by politics. Like, it's like, it's it just, it's so painful. And I mean, like we, there's so much to discuss with this movie, but that's my main thing. It's yeah. like you're set up for disaster when you can't even articulate what the political point of the movie is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we both had to do it and I'm still not sure we've said it because <laughs> it's, it's, it's so muddled. And like the thing for me with all that is that it feels like someone you're absolutely right, who not only hasn't been listening, but literally died six years ago because like <laughs> the big political movement in it is kind of like Occupy Wall Street, which like okay, work, but, like, we're a little we're a little past that. You know what I mean? Like, you can't yeah. can just take a resist sign and then be like, LOL, is it prescient? And you're like, I mean, not really. Like, none, because none of the Me Too stuff, I mean, you know, indicative of, of certain sensibilities here. I mean, this guy did the Hangover series, mm-hmm. um, including Hangover 3, which is the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, but, like, none of that is in even like he maybe defends that woman before you know on the from the financial bros if you can even call it that i mean he's just laughing uncontrollably um it's accidental but like the it's a me too nightmare the rest of <laughs> film. and like oh yeah <laughs> some of some of that it's aware of cuz there's the Zazzy beats character who has the most thankless role i've ever seen as like a neighbor who he thinks is cute that it's eventually revealed he imagines a relationship with um Which is honestly a good thing because she was so nice to him so fast that I was like, this is absurd. Like, (laughs) women are not dumb. A woman would see that guy on the street and be like, holy shit, I got to cross the street. She wouldn't be, like, excited to have him come to her door and, like, surprise kiss her. I mean, you would freak out. You'd freak out. She literally, Um,
1: like admits to stalking her on her way to work and she's like (laughs) oh that's quirky and i like it's a testament to how low the bar is for todd phillips where i was like man like that's a todd phillips character and then i was just like oh it's a fantasy oh okay like
0: (laughs) yes absolutely you're totally right the fact that i i for a chunk of it believe that it was real was like yikes that's (laughs) in. Indicative of the women I've seen in these films. I mean, I'm surprised her name isn't just Woman. Uh, not that I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know her name in it either. like, currently. I just called her Zazzy Beats. Um, but yeah, like, that's a disaster. And the Thomas Wayne stuff is, w- and his mom stuff is weird because uh, there's a, the, for a while, he thinks that Thomas Wayne is his secret father because um, Penny, Penny, his mother, um, like, it says she had an affair or whatever, but then it turns out not, it's just a delusion and oh God, it's so convoluted. Um, but is it a delusion? Because then at the end, when he's getting his
1: makeup on, he finds a photo of her that uh, Thomas Wayne wrote on the back saying like, Oh, like I love your smile or whatever, sign Thomas Wayne. And I'm like, so are we supposed to believe that like he, like she was telling the truth and it was just a cover up, or is it yeah. like
0: that in her delusion, she made that for herself? Like, I'm right. Like, well, it's, it could be that or could be him imagining shit again. I mean, no, none of these narrators are uh, seem reliable, honestly, except for Thomas Wayne, which is <laughs> brutal because he he does seem like a horrible industrialist. I mean, <laughs> realistically, like he's obviously a problem. Like if it if the if the movie is indeed taking place in the eighties, which is what the description on Letterbox says, which I can't imagine is correct, um, since all of it visually is coded as the seventies. Like mm-hmm. I. I don't understand. Um, like, I, I don't get what they're saying with Thomas Wayne. Cause, like, I know he represents a sort of rich guy thing, which, like, we can all connect to of privilege and power and stuff. And, like, perhaps his death and the way it's the way it happens because of the clown uprising, if you will. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what, um, a, what, a,
1: what a sentence.
0: <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, clown uprising uh, will is part of what motivates Bruce to become also not just, not just a vigilante, but a f- philanthropist, you know what I mean? Like he's going to be a better rich person, if you will. Jesus. Um, <laughs> it's so stupid. So. Um, but I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if it's aware of any of that or like what's going on. Cause I think we're supposed to just think he's a piece of shit. And that like, I mean, you bring up a good point about sympathies in your, everything you've said about it of like. Uh, uh, written online especially like who i think it i think it eventually we would say like because we know bruce we would we would sympathize with him, the child bruce as he you know has the worst thing ever happened to him mm-hmm. but the film so sympathizes with phoenix's you know joker that it i don't i don't know it's that that ending is so muddled to me what are your thoughts on that yeah it's like this is my problem
1: like every talking point that phoenix and phillips say, on the red carpets, is, like, oh, like, we're not at all trying to sympathize with, like, Joker. And I think they believe that. Like, I genuinely genuinely do. Like, obviously, he goes on, like, a murder spree at the end. Yeah. And, like, our human nature is, of course, to be, like, oh, like, I don't sympathize with that. But, like, it's so coded into the way this world is painted and, like, his whole origin story is painted because, like, we see him in, the, in like, the first, like, three scenes. Like, first he's mugged and it's, like, of course, like, oh, you feel bad for him. Then, like, he, um... Is like um, not mistreated. I don't know the right word, but like basically ignored by his social worker, and yeah. then who like does not have the time of day for him. And then we see him try to like entertain that little kid on the bus, and the mom yells at him, and then makes him feel bad. And it's like it's like with those scenes, and then later on with like him at the stand-up club, trying really really hard at, to like impress like impress people. It's like all these scenes are meant to like make us feel some pity towards him it's like right. like his it, like and all that leads to his descendant to madness so it's like th- this is like the whole problem we have at society in general kimbo mm-hmm. i'm saying as this is our problem as a society but um like we always try to figure out like what makes the bad guys tick and everything and sometimes like we have to just accept like they're bad like it's like yeah. that is the the case So this whole movie's logic is just inherently flawed because unless he's bad from frame one like the movie is set up and we're supposed to sympathize with him there's no scene where mm-hmm. he's like checked by anybody who um is like of like of a higher a higher
0: moral yeah. standard than he is yeah yeah then, exa- like, absolutely
1: even the way the subplot with um Zazy Zazy beats um mm-hmm. ends is um like he goes to her apartment, and then he like she's terrified. and You find that like it was all a dream and everything, or a fantasy. And then it's left ambiguous if he kills her. I don't know what you, what you thought like if he killed her or not, but like um like we never see her again in the movie, and um we also don't see him kill anybody. But even like, yeah, yeah we do. Like, we see him
0: kill the three finance guys.
1: We don't see no. We don't see her in, um, in the oh, movie. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, we see him kill plenty of people. <laughs> but, yeah,
0: um, yeah but, I thought you said we don't see him killing anybody. I was like, Matt, what are you what?
1: <laughs> I've seen him kill far too many people now. Yeah. Um, so um, no, we, we never see her again, and mm-hmm. um, we're never officially told if she survives or not. But like, e- obviously, like um, that scene is shot in a way where it's like we're supposed to be scared for her character. Mm-hmm. But even like her entire purpose in the film was to humanize him on some level and show like, see, like he's a nice guy to this girl. And then it's like, so of course, like the intention is to like, be like, Oh, like that's sad and everything. So it's like, they don't realize it, but they're framing this entire story in a way that's supposed to make you sympathize with them, whether they want to say that or not. And like, they, they depend on us as pe as like moral people to know, like killing is wrong, but that doesn't like delegitimize the fact that it's like, they're very much painting him in a sympathetic light yeah. up until the all point the he film, kills
0: All of the film language makes that we've seen before and been taught to read makes it used in this makes it so that he is the person we sympathize with absolutely and completely. I mean he shoots fucking De Niro in the head at the end of it and and we're supposed to be like yeah fuck him. You know what I mean? Which is like insane. <laughs> whatever. And the thing that's my other thing the thing that I find so about it is that there's never really a reason given for why everybody's so mean to him realistically I mean he's weird but like why would the woman on the bus react that way he the kid is not upset he is laughing why would she get so nuts like it none of it makes any sense like things just happen because they're supposed to happen nothing connects together character beats uh, like performance beats realistically None of it works. I don't understand. I mean, it's just so poorly put together. And I will say the last act I think is very effective um, only because it's, I mean, it, I don't know. It's taking, it's the thing we've all been building up to. And it's the part of the film that is the, like the least resistant to the outlandish comic book bookiness of it, which is the film. The rest of the film is trying so hard to avoid. You know, acknowledging and the, and all the marketing, all this bullshit, has tried so hard to avoid acknowledging that this is a comic book. And the only things that work about it are the parts when it gets so baroque that it becomes comic booky. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm
1: not sure if I totally agree. Like, I think like the, there are like little moments throughout the last few sequences that like kind of worked for me. Like, I enjoyed... Not enjoy, It's not the right word. Like, yeah. him, like, walking out to the um, De Niro thing, like, him practicing coming out for the De Niro talk show. Like, I was yeah, like... oh, great. like I was like, this is, like, weirdly kind of enter- uh, like, entertaining in, like, the most basic form. Like, I wasn't, like, bored. Like, my biggest problem with the movie is that it's very boring. And, like, those scenes kept me at least somewhat interested. And I... Like, there is some suspense in the scene of him on the talk show. But, like... I I was never quite like enthralled by it in any way, or like even really like in, interested. No, and I,
0: then, I wasn't either. But what I'm saying is, the rest of it is so bad that that stuff works.
1: Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean that's that's, that's fair. That's in. fair. Yeah, like
0: there, No, I the, mean the, don't yeah. get me wrong. I don't think any of it's good. I mean, again, the pearls. Must we? Um, yeah. <laughs> like all the best scenes are in the second half. Like, yeah, uh, all the best scenes are in the last thirty minutes. Let's be real. Like yeah. it's it's <laughs> not good for the most part. And the things that work best about it are a the comic book stuff and b the stuff that they directly steal from uh King of Comedy and and Taxi Driver, which are the two biggest influences that in this of this thing and why it so clearly looks like the 70s even though it's allegedly the 80s. Fucking horseshit. Because yeah. it, like the him practicing scene is like full De Niro in the mirror shot. It's the you talking to me thing. It's just I don't, like all of it is so can contrive from other shit. And, like, the talk show stuff. De Niro plays that role because he was the Joker character in King Comedy. I It's just... It's absurd to me. I don't know. There's just so little there there. I, I cannot believe. Like, it's doing... The reason that, for me, it has to riff on all these other things is because if it didn't, then there would be nothing there. The only thing giving it any meaning is the way it's riffing on stuff.
1: Exactly. I, like... At first, when they when the trailers came out, and I was like, "Oh, like this is just like gonna be like." What Con- I, I think I tweeted about it months ago when the first trailer dropped. Like, it's like this is gonna be similar to how fanboys were like, "Logan's actually a western." Like, this is like, yeah, "Oh, it's like
0: fucking Shane, shut up." Yeah,
1: like this is- I'm like, "This is Joker, Joker's taxi driver," and it's like, "Oh, like it literally is because they desperately needed this movie to have some sort of meaning, so they just like took a better movie and like." like, made them lead character Joker so that it's like, oh, like, there we go. It's a comic book remake of a classic. And it's just, like... But without any of the artistry that Tosessi provides, any of, like, the, you know, um, thoughtful point of view that Tosessi provides in those movies, like, those movies really do consider toxic masculinity. And this movie has, like, a... If I'm being generous, like, a baseline understanding of toxic masculinity, if that. And. um So it's just like, I don't know, like, it's the sort of movie, and maybe this is judgmental of me, I don't know, I don't. I really don't care because the fans are so annoying for this movie. Like, this movie is only twisted and disturbing to me, if you've, like, never watched a twisted and disturbing movie before. Like, it's like, it's like, like, I'm just like, I, I find nothing about this troubling whatsoever. Yeah. It's like, other b- movies have done this better, as, like, not even, you don't have to, even have to go back to the 70s if, like, you don't want to, like... Um Lynn Ramsey did this with You Were Never Really Here, uh, with The Keen Phoenix, like, and it's a thousand times more effective and disturbing. And it's just, I'm like, this, like, there's no need for this movie to exist except for, like, people who only watch comic movies to get their version of Taxi Driver, and it's not even good. And I just...
0: Yeah, it's it exists so, it's so, so men bad. can explain. Uh, and I mean, not you, obviously, but men can explain to me why it's important that we see yet another reason uh, or a piece of work that tells me why a bad white boy becomes a bad white boy, as if it isn't fucking everywhere. Children, um, <laughs> it's literally
1: even in the news. Like, it's like read literally
0: a newspaper in the last ten year. You fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> subtweet, uh, but I think we should quickly talk about the Oscar prospects because we've shit on this piece of shit that wasted our time enough. Um, I retract anything I might have said about a possible best director uh, just before seeing it when we did our sort of silly wild ass guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I also, I don't I mean, I, I don't know. I think that his acting thing is in danger. Although I will say film boys are really into the film as if like, I mean, Michael Morse said that dumbass thing today or yesterday maybe about like the only dangerous danger to society is not seeing this movie which is just like all right we're done now this is we have to cancel uh, america we're done um (laughs) they're done but uh what are your thoughts because you have you hated the performance
1: well first of all just a comment on the michael moore thing because i like what is it with straight white men thinking that uh, like like we, we don't know about the threats in
0: society. Like it's like it's like we we don't the know. The they think we don't know like, is because they don't realize they're the threat to the rest of us. We know. Like, We've been done I, new.
1: It's like it's like oh okay. Like I don't. Like I know. I'm like I don't know. Michael Moore just stop. Go make the documentary. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, back to the awards prospects. Um, yeah. So I I really did not like Phoenix's performance here, and uh, not because he like. He's not necessarily doing anything wrong. I think, like, you know, he's an incredibly technical actor. But this is, like, a a, a textbook example of, like, why method acting is not good if, like, (laughs) you don't have a director working with you that understands this. Because, like, it's, like, he's constantly at a 10. Like, it's, like, every scene, no matter what it calls for, he is going all out but there's no consistency in the writing or the development of his character. So the Joker we get in the scene where he kills the finance bros is totally different from the scene at the end where he kills De Niro. It is like his version of the Joker changes from scene to scene. And it's, it's the sort of thing where I'm like, yeah, I guess on one level, like he's frightening. Like I'm like, it's like, it's a scary performance on, on a certain level, especially in like, like there's one scene where he kills a guy with scissors that were like, I'm like, Oh, like this is pretty scary. But like, as a whole if you look at it as a movie it's like a not a good performance like this is is just like a collection like a youtube reel of scenes that like mm. of like but without any connecting tissue and it's like I already know that King Venus can do this but you can see him do better performances in you were never really here or the master like like when he oh. works with a director with talent <laughs> and it's like so but like regardless of what I think like this is the sort of shit that the Academy eats up, especially when a man does it. Like, like make no mistake, if a woman did this performance, it would be called like a Vanity Project and dismissed like in a week. But, yeah, they'd be um, like, she's a disaster, Re- career ruining. Right, and it's like, but this is the sort of shit they love in the Academy. But I don't think he'll win. Like, for a num- I think he'll be nominated, but like, I don't know if he can win anymore with this. Like the mo- I-, I underestimated how like, even though I don't think the movie's disturbing, it's like, it's so aggressively feel bad and boring where like, I just don't think it has that like quality to where like the voters will be like, Oh, like I really want to like watch this movie. Whereas like Adam driver in marriage story, um, uh, Jonathan price in the two popes, like all these performances that like are also getting buzz have like, and the, and the actors have narratives like are much more rewatchable and like light. So I am like that goes a long way. And also, I just think what makes it lose its steam in every other category, like including Best Picture, which I don't think it'll be nominated anymore, is just like, yeah, like, the press is so volatile around it. Like, you know, it's like – like, Warner Brothers would be, like, making a terrible call if they let Todd – what Todd Phillips ever give another interview. Like, it's like they need to pull him off the campaign trail. Like, it's like he can't do that anymore. They have just mercy to campaign, which is – a crowd pleaser, like it's like there's no need for this. They have Phoenix; they can just push for him, yeah. and then like it's too risky otherwise.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think you're. I think the biggest argument against picture is that it's so incoherent, both in many, both in its film language and its, and its, <laughs> its writing. I and mean, it's just incoherent. I, I, I like the performance is. I can't imagine putting a, a clear performance together with how the way the film changes from every 30 seconds, like every 30 seconds. Um, But let's bury Joker for a while. Um, Unfortunately, we'll probably have to talk about it again, but let's hope not too much. Um, We're always going to be willing to shit on it though. Let's talk about your, your New York film festival stuff. Um, You saw so far you've seen uh, what? Eight, nine uh, one of them is a, something we'll be talking about in our uh, And the Winner Still Is stuff in a couple weeks, months. I don't yeah, know. I haven't
1: seen – I'll be seeing nine in total. So I've only seen six so far. Yeah, I'm oh, doing okay. the math. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to do the math in my head. I'm like, Ugh. um, Yeah, so I have seen six so far, including the one that we'll talk about on our other podcast. But, yeah, um, but yeah so I've seen five so far it's it's exhausting new york festival is an exhausting festival but it's always worth it it's it's such a treat if you live in the tri-state area even if you want to go for like one movie (laughs)
0: yeah uh you haven't seen marriage story and what uncut gems is that the other one
1: yeah i haven't seen marriage story and uncut gems which i'm sure we'll talk about when they come out actually because they'll be players this season and then i'm seeing um i still have to see saturday fiction which is a Gong Li movie. That I don't think has American distribution yet, but I'm going with a friend, and we both love Gong Li, so I'm excited to see it. <laughs> okay,
0: cool. I just want to make sure I didn't bring those up yet. Um, <laughs> so why don't we start with uh, Zombie Child? What are your? Give us a little quick rundown about the plot and, and a, a quick sort of synopsis of, or how you feel about it. Yeah, so
1: Zombie Child is actually the the worst film I've seen so far at the fest, which is not like necessarily to say it's bad but um it's we're starting with the low which is nice um Mm -hmm. it is a french film um kind of a horror movie like but i don't even know if like it would technically qualify it follows a group of girls at a boarding school in france and um they have a um a student from haiti transfers um into the school and oh boy um like and this group of girls in like freshman or sophomore i don't know what the, what they're called in in france but like they're young students um they become like fascinated by her and they want to like um they invite her to join like the secret society that they that they have and everything um and they keep asking her questions when they find out that her sister is like a voodoo priestess priestess mm. or um and they start talking to her about that and um as they learn more about her culture and um, like where, like where she came from in Haiti and her family, one of the girls becomes um, really obsessed with like possibly learning voodoo herself. And I don't want to spoil it in case anybody sees it because like um, it all basically is leading to this one big final scene, which um, is part of the movie's problem. But um, it becomes horror, horror film about, cultural appropriation and colonialism and the way, um, like, white people tend to take things that are very important to, other, and, like, um, significant to other cultures and then, like, ruin it. <laughs> and um, it's an, int- it's also, it's intercut with, like, flashbacks to the um, girl from Hades family. Mm. So, like, her family history and everything. And um, it's, it's interesting, but it really is one of those cases, like, the plot I- I'm telling you is, like, all what is all that happens for like an hour like it's like there's really like there's there's nothing that goes on for like a full hour of the film it's more just like these girls meeting and like talking about voodoo and then eventually leading to like this really long like climatic moment that's like 20 25 minutes and like that 20 to 25 minutes is effective and interesting and like makes a clear thesis statement but i just don't know if it's enough to justify like the very long buildup to that ending it's mm-hmm. just like it, it it can't help but feel a little boring and i hate to like use this a term as like simple as that but like you know it just like it is one of the movies where i'm like it, it would be such a great short film and i just don't think there's enough there mm-hmm. to make it like to justify like a like an hour 40 length or whatever yeah it it's
0: hour 43 what cu- cu- i the Quick question, sort of. Uh, I don't know if you've the Val Luton stuff just hit criterion, so I don't know if you've watched I Walk with a Zombie. Anything, any parallel there or no?
1: I haven't watched it, but like it's not done in a, a campy B movie way, if that's like. Neither is.
0: Happened. No, no, no. Never mind. Um, yeah. No, it, it's, not, it's not. I mean, you'll see. You'll see when you watch it. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's the one I'm going to skip, by the way. It's not my favorite Luton. Just just for <laughs> Luton fans out there watch cat people twice um <laughs> uh let's go to uh i don't know how to pronounce it but i'm gonna to is it bak baku bak- rao
1: i might be pronouncing it wrong too but i think it's baku rao that's like okay. how i think i heard it being said by the person introducing it <laughs> right. um but it's funny because um it's another genre film about colonialism <laughs> and um i i saw them like one night apart and i was like oh like this is an unofficial theme of the new york film festival but um this is a movie from brazil and it is um it is this really wild movie about um a small village the the titular bacarau um like based in the mountains and um they're very poor but very very close-knit and um their matri- the the community's matriarch passes away at the first in the first scene so like the entire community comes back for this funeral and um the morning after the funeral they notice that like they're no longer on the map for like Ooh. the globe and everything Ooh. and um and then as they're trying to figure out what's going on all these other weird things start happening and i won't spoil it because it is sort of fun to go in and not know what's what's coming even though like you do find out pretty fast. Like, I don't know how long that secret will be kept from people, but, like, it's, like, something's going on, basically. And it becomes this, like, intense standoff between the community and these external forces. And um, it is a total blast. Like, I I didn't really know what to expect. I just knew it had great reviews from the con Film Festival. And it is... It's so good. It is, like this incredibly entertaining action movie but also very like very um political like it's not subtle at all which is like which might be a problem for some people but like it's so clearly molded after like 80s carpenter and 80s like like sylvester stallone movies and everything like it's very action heavy where i'm like well those movies weren't subtle either so i have to assume that it's like it was a conscious decision on the director's part of like making the political themes about colonialism like very apparent but um it's very well done it's just the right amount of cheesy like there's there um there's definitely like a little bit of camp here but um it it works like it it always feels organic the action is very exciting and um just like the way in 20 minutes before the action starts like in the 20 minutes they have to introduce, introduce you to like 20 plus characters in this community. Like, they do it so well. Like, you fully understand all these characters' histories and their backstories, but, um, and like what their motivations are for this film, but without ever really, like, over explaining it. And, um, it just feels like, in a weird way, like the best Tarantino movie that Tarantino hasn't made in, like, since Inglorious Bastards. And also, like, It's super progressive like it has great Hmm. roles for women um there's a incredible gay character in it there are like some of the characters are like sex workers and they're never um shamed or like they're constantly showing like a sympathetic light it's just like it it is such a refreshing movie and it comes out in january i believe in new york and la and i like i strongly recommend it like it's it's excellent wow
0: that sounds great uh wow I, I hadn't heard of it, so now I'm excited. I almost hope I get a press screening invite, and maybe I'll just re-review it, because, yeah, why not? <laughs> Actually, are yeah, you yeah. going to
1: review it? I'll, I'll, I should, yeah. I'll, I'll definitely try to time it for... Um, okay. If you get a screening right though, I would love to... I, it's, like, it's such a fun movie. Like I cannot yeah. wait to hear people's thoughts about it.
0: <laughs> no pressure on that review, then. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, wow, that sounds great. Um, let's go to... Uh, the whistlers which is how how do you pronounce pronounce it and in, in is it la gomera la gomera
1: uh i think so but i'll just call it the whistlers okay just <laughs> <Yeah>. curious <laughs> um but i think it's la gomera um but it is a romanian film that mm-hmm. um like it's also kind of like a genre movie it like if i had to compare it like i guess it's kind of like a guy Ritchie movie um oh. in like in tone which um doesn't always work for me but it worked for me here this is a really fun movie um it follows a crooked a crooked cop who is working with a group of criminals to try to free this drug dealer from prison um because this drug dealer has hidden a lot of money and they and like he wants the money and then like of course everybody involved has their own motivations for for finding the money and everything and there's a lot of like double crossing and um plot twists, but what makes the movie fun and engaging, and and feel original is that it constantly jumps around in time. So like, mm. it starts off li- with a linear narrative of like, this is this crooked cop is being recruited by these criminals to free this guy, and this is their plan. But um, but then at random points, it will jump back in time to show a different character's backstory and how they became involved in this scheme. And then you learn new information about like who their allegiances are really with. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a very fun structure that, that, that goes a long way in making the movie feel fresh. Um, like it might've been like the crowd. I like it was a great crowd at the festival, but like, it was such a fun theater experience that like made it all feel so new and interesting. The twists to come at like just the right time. And it has this really fun element, which is where the American title comes in, where these criminals like communicate by whistling to each other. And Ooh. they have like this whole language developed potentially. Um, and it's just, it's a very fun movie with just enough originality to make it like feel fresh, even though it's like when you really boil down to it, it is just your standard gangster movie. Um, <laughs> I don't know how well it will do on a rewatch. Like I, I can oh. see it. Like when you fully know where it's going to go, like it just, that fun is not there anymore, but like there is quite a bit that's interesting. And I also should say the one other element that stuck out to me is like it's, and I, it's always hard to go into this with like, um, international movies because like, you don't know Like, I don't know what like social politics are like in Romania, <laughs> but, um, like, the gender politics are very dated. <laughs> um, and, it, like, that did sort of... I've been like, oof, like, these women are very underwritten. <laughs> and, like, get naked a lot. But it was just, like... It was <laughs> it was the sort of thing, though, where I was like... And, like, the movie still works enough, even with, like... It's just more, of, like, in the back of my head, like, yikes. The optics. But it is a very entertaining movie. And not as effective as Baccarat in terms of, like, just rewatchability and fun factor but like it's it's a crowd pleaser
0: yes okay this sounds i i really i like read the description of the plot and it sounded more serious than what you're saying so i just yeah it's funny
1: the description of the plot on letterboxd i'm like that's not quite it like it's like it's like it's funny like i was like i went in expecting one thing and i'm like oh like this isn't really the best way of describing this movie (laughs)
0: Okay, yeah, because I was like, wow, am I reading? I, I clicked around a bit. Um, I mean, it sounds cool. Uh, no baccarat, as you're saying. Um, no. Let's do Sybil next. Uh, give us a plot line and all that jazz.
1: Yeah, so this is a French film. There are a lot of French films at the um at the festival this year. Um, it's kind of an erotic thriller, but it sort of like evolves into being um uh, more than that. Um, in terms of just like what its scope is not in terms of like its quality because erotic thrillers are amazing Um, Mm. but it follows this psychiatrist who has decided that she wants to give up um, her profession because she wants like she's always wanted to be an author and she decided to give it up give up her patience in order to write novels but she has writer's block and um, like a lot of people doubt her ability to be a writer and around the same time that she's planning on giving up this career she is introduced to this um this new potential patient, played by Adele, ex. Char- oh, I'm gonna butcher the last name, but it's the girl from Blue Is the Warmest Color, who I've not seen in a movie since then. Oh, so was-
0: Adele Archiopoulos or something like that is the yeah. word. Yeah,
1: yeah. She plays her this like this young actress who. Oh, ex
0: Archiopoulos,
1: sorry. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, she's she's a great actress, and um, she plays this young she plays an actress in the film. This young woman who um is pregnant with her co-star's baby and um the co-star happens to be married to the director of the film so um she's like kind of having like a breakdown and she needs this um the, the therapist to help her out and um the therapist only agrees to keep seeing her because it like inspires her to keep writing this novel like she's stealing material from this woman's life to create this, this novel she wants to write and slowly like the, the psychiatrist becomes more and more obsessed with this actress and the actress is kind of obsessed with the psychiatrist too and it's like a very codependent relationship where they're like they're like living through each other and everything and it's like it, it takes a turn at the halfway point that I won't spoil here. It's not a major twist, but, like, a new element gets added. that's kind of interesting. And um, it's a weird movie. Like, it kind of changes tone halfway through, but not in the way that feels mm-hmm. intentional. It more just kind of, like, I think they've run out of s- something to do with the erotic thriller, and they kind of make it something a little different. But um, it's very compelling throughout the whole movie. Like, I was certainly never really bored. Like, there's a lot of... Um, like twists and um like i mean like to be honest like it's an it's an erotic thriller there's like there's very well done sex scenes um and the lead performance played by Virgi- um Virgi- virginie ethira i don't know i'm not even gonna try a french accent um <laughs> like she's phenomenal like it's such a it's such a weird performance that she has to pull off because like her character is like you know like becoming obsessed with this woman but trying to maintain this level of professionalism and it's so compelling and um she has great chemistry with whoever she has to share a scene with and um it's it's definitely interesting i just like i almost wish it stayed as weird and like kinky as it was in the first act like the second act becomes a little more toned down and i wanted like more obsession and more like weird sex basically <laughs> but um it works and i think you know like there's some there's something interesting on it there's a lot of interesting things about like motherhood weirdly enough and um like Hmm. um because the main character because the the woman the patient is an actress like there's a lot of like meta jokes about the film industry so um there's something there's there's a lot going on in there i don't want to like totally discredit it but i just kind of wish it like stayed into in the erotic thriller box that it started off in it doesn't have distribution yet which is kind of disappointing because i think like like it's it always sucks when like there's a like it's how so many international films just like never quite make their way here because um of just distribution deals but like it is worth seeking out if if you can <laughs> or if it if it eventually gets some sort of distribution deal.
0: I am sad that it's not good because I I mean I we talked many times about how much I love an a rock thriller but also. The concept for my, um, if I were ever wanted to just get rich quick, the romance novel I would write is not far from that. So, (laughs) I'd read it. Just say it. Listen, someday you're all going to get it dropped on your heads. um, Under a pseudonym that I will only tell some of you. Um, (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah, damn, that was, I was hoping, I, I feel like I keep waiting for, um, Adele X or uh, or whatever to have another really good film. She was in a film with um, my beloved Matthias Schoener. It's like last year, I think it was. And uh, he was like a race car driver and they had like they met up somewhere and then they had this relationship. But then it goes like really dark. And I was like, I'm I'm really not interested in like tragedy. I would just like to watch them make out. Like I I didn't sign up. Oh,
1: yeah. No, they're Um, both gorgeous like yeah. they're both two of the best looking people in the world <laughs> i not. remember
0: that movie was i Toronto. went straight i saw that thing at like 8 a.m at the alamo and i was and on like a fucking saturday and i was like i absolutely have to see this and then i saw it and i was like you know why why did we why these <laughs> these people are beautiful can't they just be beautiful in racing cars i mean my god what's what's the point why are you doing that they
1: had that Toronto the whatever year it came out um they had it at Toronto and um I like fully was like considering seeing it purely because I'm like they're both good looking <laughs> like it's like that five my my five Kinsey scale status was just like fully beeping like p- hot people but um god no I um like it, it's a shame but I'm just happy to see an erotic thriller in any form like we need more of them
0: Um, let's go with the final one that you've seen so far. Ouch. Jesus. Sorry. I've been, um, I hurt my hand. What I thought was rock climbing, but was actually carrying groceries the other day. Um, synonyms, uh, is the final movie that you've seen so far. Uh, let's talk about it.
1: Go ahead. You, yeah. Yeah. This movie is fascinating. Um, it is, it's one of like the best reviewed movies of the year so far. Um, so like, like, you know, I don't, I don't know the Oscar, legitimacy of it yet but like if it is submitted for best um foreign language film or international film by um israel um i would like i think it has a chance at a foreign film or international film nod um but we will never know until they literally announce the nomination so we'll see but um so it is an israeli film but it's set in france and it follows this um this 20 something man from israel who just completed his um his his like term in the military which they're all expected to do and um he becomes like very disillusioned with his country after um after serving and he really finds he's tired like the nationalism so he decides to um run away to france where um he ends up meeting this young very rich french couple who um take him in and like they both become kind of like obsessed with him in like a vaguely sexual way <laughs> and yeah. um like the the um, the boyfriend in that couple is a struggling author so in a, he's like he's um he basically asks the Israeli man to like if he could write a book based on him so they start hanging out a lot and um it just kind of follows this man throughout like various chapters of his life in France trying really really desperately to um to shed his his identity from israel and become like a, a french person and like trying to find a place in society essentially and it's very much ingrained in um the current politics in israel sure. but um i will like and the director has even said it's partially inspired on his life but um like it feels very relevant just i think across like nations right now like just the idea of like feeling betrayed by your home your home country and like trying desperately to like fit into another but like is that even possible and um i think it's like it's like this fascinating movie that's like very like weirdly very funny like a lot of the little chapters of his life are um like kind of hysterical and it's a very weird sense of humor <laughs> like um i saw it with a friend and we were both like in hysterics with people in the theater like at various points like Fully laughing, and I was sitting next to an elderly couple who, like, did not laugh once and kept looking at me whenever I laughed as if like I was like laughing at a funeral. And then eventually, at like the forty-five minute mark, like the wife and the couple next to me just like fully fell asleep and like stayed asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Like it, it is a it is a weird movie. It is also very explicit. Um, the main character is naked for like I would guess like twenty percent of the film. (laughs) Like it's like like fully nude. (laughs) Um like he even has like an erection at one point. I was like, they're allowed oh, to wow. show it. I was like, they're allowed to show this on camera. But um, but like it's so it's a very explicit movie, but it is like it's fascinating and very funny, but also very smart. And um I was just like kind of like stunned by it because I really didn't know what to expect other than the fact that it has very positive reviews. And it's like it's such a such a smart movie, and just like totally original like you never know where it's going to go and like it's sort of free in its plot like there's there's not too much happening at a given time but like i thought it was so compelling and um just like really ballsy and interesting of just like just a just a strange a strange but very confident movie and i i was so impressed by it again like not for everybody like you have to have a lot of tolerance for like like up-close penises and like weird humor but i i thought it was it was, <laughs> that, was a, that was a phrase i just really <laughs> was not prepared for there <laughs> is an extended scene like that's this the name is not, of my
0: memoir <laughs> <laughs> no stop like, that, that's horrifying
1: <laughs> there is an extended scene in the film wait like, one of the chapters of his um his like saga through france is um he becomes like a camboy for a porn site like which, like, for those who don't know, is, like, someone who, like, basically records themselves masturbating. And, um like, it is, like, one of, like, the most, like, the strangest things I've ever watched. Because there's an extended scene of him, like, trying that act for the first time. But also, like, it's a hysterical moment that, like, I was fully, like, dying over. Like, it's, just, it's one of, like, the funniest things I've ever seen. But also, like... Again, like fully not for everybody. Like I think the couple next to me was like, (laughs) like about to faint. Like it's just it's it it. I don't even know if it's gonna be rated R, but like, it'll probably be NG 17. I don't know, but it does open in New York and L A at the end of the month. So like, if you're in, yeah, if you're in the area, you can see it. Um, it probably won't expand much further, (laughs) but um, it's worth it. It's it's definitely worth seeking out. I can't
0: stop thinking about the phrase. Um. (laughs) <laughs> okay i'm I, I will definitely be seeing that I, why not uh there's a, there's
1: a lot of pe- there's
0: a lot of penis a <laughs> lot of penis. i mean i should probably get to you know um what's it called euphoria first but you know uh, the more the better <laughs> um <laughs> so, the year of the
1: penis <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god what a note to end on <laughs> that's, that's all of the stuff you've seen at dip so far or niff so far um uh yeah, I, Jesus. I, I actually will have a couple um, NIF review stuff um, from various like non regular screenings, like where you're going to um, soon. Uh, probably the I'm going to do the booksellers is the one that I'm going to be doing, and I think one more that I can't remember the name of. Um, but yeah, look for those. Um, any any last thoughts before we wrap up? Other than your socials,
1: should we say anything about Downton Abbey?
0: Oh yes, I've completely forgotten about Downton Abbey. Um, it can
1: be t- so quick, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I completely forgot about because we were just chat on Joker for so long. Um, yeah, the the basic basically the wrap up is uh, there's possibility that Maggie Smith will get nominated. I think she'll get nominated at the most, but I don't. I doubt she'd win. What are your thoughts? I
1: don't think she'll win, but I do think a nomination is within the realm of possibility. Like she won, like did she win like every year she was nominated? Like it just like. She was like a an unstoppable force. Like the I
0: entire '60s, basically. Yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, like it's like she's just, she's just such a big deal, and um, I I do love her. I I don't quite like. I wouldn't nominate her for this movie. Like I think this movie is like very charming, and as someone that has never watched the show once, like I was like fully into it. But mm-hmm. like you know, she has one nice scene at the end. But for the most part, it is like every time they cut to her, she has some new like one-liner and that's like the extent of her character but it is she's she's funny (laughs) like i did quite enjoy um quite enjoy her performance and i wouldn't hate the nomination but
0: i would i mean it's kind of a weaker category this year we've talked about that um but Mm. yeah i mean i think it would be fine i think the part the thing of it is that you and i are definitely not getting the context of watching the whole show because the whole show is kind of about what what is her character who's who is her character gonna pass the the down titular down to nabby um and that whole scene last scene is about that and also about the fact that like listen maggie smith's old you know we almost lost her to cancer not that long ago mm. uh, i i wouldn't be surprised if it's a kind of like near the end of her life kind of oscar nomination you know what i mean
1: yeah that makes sense um i wouldn't hate it like it makes more <laughs> sense for like a margot robbie nomination <laughs> like to be honest but um margot you for
0: know. What? oh for yeah what duh jesus <laughs>
1: <laughs> the, the the movie we devoted a full episode to
0: <laughs> <laughs> he who must, must not be named you mean um yeah we're not gonna even <laughs> talk about it uh yikes yeah absolutely jesus christ i mean listen i love margot robbie love her that death, same but... that was
1: not Shannon at marga yeah but yeah no oh no. god but no, that's so much fun. Go see it, people. It's, like, the most charming movie. Like, and every boy is cute in it. I was just like, "Oh a, my what a, god, what an experience.
0: The stakes <laughs> are so fucking low that, like, it's on... It's I can't even believe it. it's as long of a movie as it is. But it's just such a delight, uh, truly. My
1: favorite... It, one of my favorite experiences in a theater this year... I went on a Monday night where it was sold out, which is a testament to how people love, just love this movie. And... Mm-hmm. Like there's one whole arc of this girl trying to get a dress, um, and then like the dress altered. <laughs> She's gonna get dress altered. <laughs> the dress doesn't fit, and people in my theater gasped like someone died. Like it was just like <laughs> it was the most. Ama- I was like, holy shit! Like people love this story, and
0: I I don't blame them. It's so charming. Yeah, it's it's utterly watchable in just the most wonderful way. I almost wanted to see it again because it was just so. It was such light viewing that I just was like, "God, isn't it? Isn't it nice to escape and live in this nonsense world where, like, the biggest fucking drama isn't even that the king and queen are coming; it's that the silver keeps disappearing. It's like so fucking <laughs> funny to me. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> it's so stupid. It um, has a whole assassination subplot that they
1: really just like they, they brush off so fast. They're just no like, one
0: gives a shit about it. It's amazing."
1: god it's so it's so nice like god maybe i'll see that again too like right i mean it's so paylists.
0: fucking easy to watch that i i would watch it i truly almost went again the other day and i was like i have no reason i would never watched the show for more than four episodes or whatever up until the the pamuk uh, twist but that's it i that's it that's all i've seen and i still was like should i do i have do i have time like no <laughs> Um I suppose we should talk about Lucy in the Sky next time once you've seen it. Um you can re- read my review on the site. Um I have tons of shit coming up. I am I'm crawling along for the next 2 weeks. Um I don't think you've got anything coming up except for your Nif coverage basically, right?
1: Yeah, um on the TV side of things, you can I reviewed the politician right. Ryan Ryan Murphy's wild new show. Um and I reviewed Modern Love, which is coming on Amazon Prime on October 18th, I think. Um, I reviewed it. I got to see it early. And then I'm going to have, when the season drops, I'll be doing a ranking of the episodes because it's an anthology series. And um, also, um, but this this will go up this week. So next weekend is the Succession finale. So oh. I will be writing about Succession and how I think this show is like the best drama on television right now for to go up around the finale so you can look for that next weekend
0: i can't wait to read the long teased uh suggestion magnum opus i'm very excited about that i'm i hope i hope it lives up to everyone's hype (laughs) (laughs) yeah it would be such a disappointment you you guys are all like in love um i'm at marissa carpico everywhere matt where are you matt i'm at v1 okay cool um yeah, that's it. Tune in next time. I'm sure we're going to be starting to post and the winter still is very soon. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm tired. All right. Thanks November-ish. for listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. November ish. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.